You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's show is brought to us by the live NBA draft show on Locked On. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked on NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today. Watch our live coverage on July 29th. That's one week from today, July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 6 p.m. Central. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Danilo Gallinari and the rumor regarding Gallinari and the Timberwolves that came up on Wednesday. I also want to talk about another one of these way too early future NBA power rankings uh, deals that came out. We talked about the ESPN one yesterday. Bleacher Report had one today, and it's a lot more favorable for Timberwolves fans. Um, And then also, quick note on ownership, because that all came official on Wednesday. The Timberwolves as a team have now announced it. Then I want to close by talking a little bit about the number seven pick, which is, of course, the selection that would have been the Timberwolves, but went to Golden State in the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade. What's the history of the seven pick related to the Timberwolves? And one of our writers at Dunkin' with Wolves dive into that. And I thought it was a really interesting exercise. So we're going to cover all that today. It's a pack show. Make sure if you're not already subscribed or following this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, that you do so. You can get it on Apple, Spotify, Google. Um, you can also get the show on Odyssey. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And then follow the show on Twitter as well at Locked on T-Wolves. And also my account at at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, let's start with the ownership news. Um, and covered this on Wednesday, so there's isn't a ton to say today, but it, it did become official. The Timberwolves themselves issued a statement. There's a, a nice photo of Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie in some Timberwolves apparel. Uh, it was like a one-sentence statement by the team acknowledging the pair as new minority owners uh, with the state, a quote from Glenn Taylor, I guess. Um, and then John Krasinski over at The Athletic had a good article kind of diving into what this means. We've already talked about this in, in several different ways and angles. But Lori and Rodriguez each shared something on Twitter about it being a big day in their lives um, and being excited to own a, a pro sports team, basically. Krasinski does a great job in his article of of kind of, I don't know, lighting up Milwaukee and the Bucks to Minnesota and the Timberwolves, which is, is too obvious of a comparison, but he's spot on. Um, you know, you go back seven years and Milwaukee was arguably, the Bucks were arguably in a worse spot than the Timberwolves were and certainly are. They're, they were in a worse spot then than the Wolves are now. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, when when the Bucks' new owners or current owners took over, he was two years into the league, and it was unclear what he was going to become, but there was obviously potential. But, um, you know, Milwaukee was not a Bucks town at all, and they were clearly an afterthought. They had an old arena. They had an expiring lease in the arena. That it was very likely, it seemed likely, they were going to move. The Timberwolves at least have a renovation with their arena. They have a lease in the city. They have Carl Anthony Towns, who we know is a superstar. They've also got Anthony Edwards, who's a budding superstar and better now than Giannis was then when the new owners took over. Um, and literally, the Bucks had been the worst team in the league prior to the new owners taking over. So there's a lot to be, you know, th- there's plenty of comparisons to be made here. And also, those owners made some mistakes, right? I mean, they hired Jason Kidd as head coach. The, the Bucks were bad for several years. That Once they did start making the playoffs, they were first-round exits. 
But the Wolves, I mean, Wolves fans would take three consecutive first round exits at this point. Well, maybe not because at that point, then maybe that's the end of, of Towns run in Minnesota. But um, just getting to the first round is something the Wolves have done one time since the Western Conference Finals run in 2004 and Kevin Garnett's first time, first stint with the team. Um, so, I mean, the turnaround isn't going to be overnight and it wasn't for the Bucks. It took several years and, and of course, they won the ultimate prize the other night in winning the title. But Phoenix is also a good example. The ownership didn't change there, but I mean, that team two years ago was awful. Last year missed the playoffs and just kind of flipped a switch, had some improvement from DeAndre Ayton, from Devin Booker, they acquired Chris Paul. They made some moves on the edges. They got a great coach in Monty Williams. And suddenly they found themselves in the finals. Now, their owner was not the reason for that. Uh, but there was a bit of a culture change there. And Chris Paul and Monty Williams certainly contributed to that. Uh, I would expect there to be something of a culture change in Minnesota with Laurie and Rodriguez. Now, they're not going to be majority owners for two and a half years. But the, it sounds like they're going to be they're going to make their presence felt both on the business side and the basketball side um, in some way. Um, hopefully, hopefully not too much of the basketball side right away, but it'll be very interesting to see what, if anything, changes this year versus next year versus the following year and how much Glenn Taylor's fingerprints are still on the everyday operations, how much leash, say, Gerson Rosas is given if this team disappoints again this year. Um, all those things are, are worth keeping an eye on with with this change in ownership. So go check out John's article if you've got a subscription to The Athletic. He does a really good job of laying it all out. And um, it, it's just some of those parallels are really fascinating. Okay, um, let's talk about this this uh, other Bleacher Report, this uh, way too early power rankings thing. So on Wednesday's show, and if you missed it, please go back and listen to it, but I talked about the, the Timberwolves ranking on ESPN's way too early power rankings for next year, and this was like a panel of eight writers, I believe, at ESPN that did this. The Wolves ranked 25th in the league ahead of only Detroit, Cleveland, Orlando, Oklahoma City, and Houston. That was too low. I said I thought they should be in the 21-22 range. They certainly should be ahead of the Kings, which is ridiculous, probably the Bulls, certainly the Spurs. And then I, I said you could make an argument for the Wizards and Pelicans being behind the Timberwolves as well. Well, Bleacher Report, Greg Sports at Bleacher Report, who we talk about his proposed you know, his, his uh, trade, sometimes outlandish, but creative trade ideas quite a bit on this podcast. He's got the Timberwolves all the way up at number 18 in his power rankings, which is higher than I would have ever dreamed. He's got them ahead of the Knicks, who made the playoffs this year. He's got them ahead of the Pelicans, ahead of the Wizards, the Raptors, the Bulls, obviously the Kings, and then it gets basically the bottom five or similar. He's got the Spurs all the way down at 26, whereas ESPN's power rankings had the Spurs at, uh, what was it, 20? Or 22, I guess. So number 18, let me quick read his reasoning for putting the Wolves there. He, I'm not going to read the whole thing, I guess, but he called out the Timberwolves' net rating of plus 4.9 in the 327 minutes that Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell shared together. He says that's a good sign the core is working. 100%. Um, Towns and Russell are both going to be in year 70. He talks about that. He also mentions Rubio, Beasley, McDaniels, Nas Reed and Jarrett Culver as a good bit of depth outside their big three. Don't be surprised to see Minnesota in the play-in tournament next season, if not the play in, uh, if not the playoffs themselves. 100%. He's on, he's on point with his analysis of the Timberwolves. Their core was really good together. Their core didn't play together much next year, or last year, I should say. And Anthony Edwards is going to improve drastically. I mean, just think about how much he improved from January 15th to March 15th to May 15th last season. Um, it's... 100% fair to pencil in a massive improvement from Anthony Edwards. Um, and so putting them ahead of, you know, putting them ahead of the Knicks is maybe a little bit surprising, but 
he for the reasoning for the Knicks is he lists Derek Rose, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, and Reggie Bullock all as free agents, and their core just not being good enough to make the playoffs in the East, which is possible. Um, I, you know, I, I I I don't know that I would put the Timberwolves ahead of the Knicks today, just based on what we know. But they certainly have more upside as a roster. I mean, you look at the Knicks roster, and you're talking about basically R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. If he, I mean, obviously somewhat of a late bloomer, but Obi Toppin didn't. I guess Emmanuel quickly, but I would still argue that the town that the Timberwolves have more upside simply because of Towns, Edwards, and Russell, um, and that's not even talking about what Malik Beasley might be able to do in a full season. Um, so, at any rate, the argument for the Wolves at eighteen, you can certainly make that argument, um, and of course, at eighteen puts them if you're just kind of putting all the teams in in piles that puts them in the conversation right in that play in. Uh, you know, not taking into account East West, how many teams have ranked above them in this power rankings are in the East versus the West, but that would put them in that play in bubble um, play in well, maybe bubbles, not the right term anymore, but that the, on the bubble for the play in slash the, you know, the seven seed succeed in the playoffs. Um, and that seems about right for this team. Um, and, and that's kind of where, where I've been at with this. And obviously we've got a lot of time to talk about it in the off season. So, um, all right, next, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit more about Gallinari and then I want to get into the number seven pick before we do all that though, let's talk about RockAuto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could ever need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, we covered the Danilo Gallinari news yesterday on, on Wednesday's show. That was a Dane Moore report that the Wolves have been pursuing him, I think is the word he used in his tweet during this offseason in trade discussions with the Hawks. I My take yesterday, the bullet points are, yes, he'd be a great fit, um, no, he's not. Well, actually, I'm going to get more to this today. No, he's not just a different version of Juancho Hernan Gomez. They're different players. And also that I think a trade would be challenging based on the assets the Wolves have, right? I mean, you're not going to give up a true asset like a Malik Beasley or anything, you know, that the Wolves would value more than Malik Beasley. You're not going to give up. Um, the Hawks aren't going to do it for very likely you know, Jarrett Culver and Jake Lehman. They're probably not going to do it for Ricky Rubio. And I, I think the Wolves would would debate that a little bit too, maybe straight up. Uh, I think probably straight up the Wolves would do it for Ricky Rubio, um, almost certainly, but the Hawks wouldn't. And is it worth Rubio and a pick? I mean, Rubio's your best expiring contract trade asset. So I think that's going to be a little tricky. So I want to do two things. I want to compare, I want to talk about why Gallinari is not Juancho Hernan Gomez. And this is admittedly a little bit of a straw man, but I saw some folks on Twitter responding to Dane's uh, tweet about this. And so I, I feel like I, I don't know, I feel like we should address the they're not the same player. Um, and then also, how how could a trade work? So let's start with that. 
Um, in terms of salary, the Wolves can get there because Gallinari is only at roughly 20 million next year, a little over 20 million, I believe is what it is. Well, let me pull the exact value. Um, remember the, the year after next is only partially guaranteed. So next year is basically 20.5 million for Gallinari. The following year is 21.5, but there's only 5 million of guaranteed money. Um, so for instance, if the Wolves were able and willing to trade Rubio in a pick for Gallinari, the money works. Plus, the Wolves are only on the hook for $5 million next year if something happens. Gallinari's got an injury history if he doesn't fit for whatever reason, whereas Rubio's an expiring. So you're now putting $5 million on next year's books instead of the zero, obviously, that Rubio would would apply to next year's books. So there's a little bit of a risk there, but it's not a huge risk. Um, and you're only paying him you know, a few, like $3.5 million more this year than you'd be paying Ricky Rubio. So that's the contract situation. Um you could do the trade Rubio and a pick for Danilo Gallinari. I don't know that the Wolves do that. I don't know that it's worth giving up your best expiring contract asset, your your backup point guard who's you know still probably your seventh, uh, at least your seventh best player, and he's going to be in the top seven in your rotation in Rubio, um, and a first round pick for a year, maybe two of, of Gallinari, who's now going to be 33 years old and has an injury history. I don't think the Wolves do that. I also don't think the Hawks would do it straight up for Ricky Rubio. Um because Gallinari was a major part of the rotation. The the Hawks still have Chris Dunn, assuming he opts into his player option next year. And Chris Dunn is a, a different than Ricky Rubio, but not too dissimilar in that he's a defense first backup point guard, right? I mean, that's the, the rough profile of both players and, and what they bring to the table. Now, Rubio is a little bit better as a playmaker. Dunn's a little bit better as a scorer. Um, but you know, if they'd rather have done at 5 million than Ruby at 16 million, I'd understand that. They also tried the Rajon Rondo thing last year and it didn't work. Um, again, Rondo and Ruby are very different players, but I don't know if that's something the Hawks would be too enthused to do. I don't know for sure if the Wolves would do it. So you could play around to some of the other scenarios. It could be Jarrett Culver and Jake Lehman, you know, and maybe a second rounder something like that. I still don't know if that's appealing to the Hawks. We know they had some interest in Culver prior to the draft last year. There were lots of rumors to that effect. Um, and, you know, who knows if they actually had interest or if that was just uh, the Timberwolves kind of pushing the buttons in the media to get that out there that the Hawks were interested as, as the Wolves were trying to acquire another lottery pick in the 2020 draft. Um, but if they have interest in Culver, maybe you do Culver Lehman in a first rounder. Um, that's not crazy. I, you know, I, I don't know that it's worth... I, I'd really be nervous about giving up a first rounder for Gallinari, I think. Um, but you could defend it. And wh- why, Why though? Let's let's talk about that real quickly. Well, Gallinari's better than Wacho Hernan Gomez. He just is. He can score in, in multiple different ways, right? Hernan Gomez is basically, he's okay in transition. He's a good, a very good three-point shooter. And he's a pretty good cutter too, which I think it's underrated with Hernan Gomez. And that's part of the reason why he'll be such a good fit in Chris Finch's offensive system. But Gallinari scores from all over the court. Now that's changed a little bit in recent years as he's gotten a little older. He's had the injury issues, uh, some of some of his athleticism and lateral quickness and some of that has is starting to wane. Um, but he scores more from the mid range. He earlier in his career got to the rim more often than Hernan Gomez. He's less of a, of a cutter threat than Hernan Gomez and a little bit more of a, of a higher usage guy. Who's going to try and create a little bit for himself with the ball in his hands, which is one of the reasons why it's not quite a perfect fit. He's a perfect fit with towns, but when you add in Edwards, Russell Beasley, all of a sudden, if Gallinari is your starting four, now you've got really five guys in the starting lineup that want to touch the ball and score. If, if you end up with a at the starting five of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Danilo Gallinari, and Carl Anthony Towns, every single one of those guys is somebody who's averaged like 19 points a game. Um, I guess I don't remember exactly what Edwards averaged last year, but 
I mean, those are all guys who have averaged 19 points a game or more in their career, literally. Um, I'm going to pull this up now because it's going to bother me if I was slightly off in Edwards' points per game as a rookie. Uh, no, 19 points. Yeah, 19.3 points per game. Um, every single one of those five would have averaged 19 points or greater per game in their NBA career. Do you really want to start and line up with five guys that could do that? I mean, in theory, sure, but we all know that that's, that's going to be tricky. Um, how, how exactly will Chris Finch manage that? Now, there are no, Gallinari has no, you know, he averaged 13 points last year at the Hawks. His role was a little bit diminished. Uh, it was, it was his least amount of playing time he's had in several years. So maybe the expectation is not quite there. Beasley knows what he signed on for. He knew that Russell Towns and, uh, and Edwards were on the roster when he signed his extension last year. Um, and, you know, he, he's going to get his points in a very different way than a lot of guys get their points, right? He's not creating for himself. He's catching and shooting. He's getting on in transition and scoring. Um, so maybe it does work. I just don't think the Wolves are going to, to bend over backwards to acquire a Gallinari when they could just kind of pull their assets and try and get a bigger target, right? Somebody like a Miles Turner, who's got a defensive mindset can add a little bit offensively, but he's not going to be as high usage of a guy. He'd be a better fit at the four for the Timberwolves. Um, and then obviously there's the even bigger names like the Ben Simmonses of the world that are out there. Um, so it's an intriguing conversation. And Gallinari is like the prototypical kind of, yes, he would incrementally improve the team. Yes, his contract is is relatively favorable to the team. But what's the opportunity cost here? What are you giving up to acquire him? And is it worth taking some of your trade assets, your limited trade assets and putting them towards an incremental improvement. Um, but to be clear, he's better than Juancho Hernan Gomez. And if the Wolves could do this for like Culver Lehman in a, in a future protected first in some way, or like a, a couple of seconds, um, I think that's a deal the Wolves would seriously have to consider as long as they feel like the, or maybe it's even Wancho himself. Maybe Wancho goes back to Atlanta instead of, uh, you know, Layman or instead of Culver or something like that. I mean, there's a couple of those salaries that could play around with, and then that frees up more minutes at the four. Um, so I, you know, it, it very well could happen. I'd be surprised if the Wolves ended up with Gallinari, but it's definitely an intriguing conversation to have. Okay. Next, I want to cover the immediate impact of losing the number seven pick in the NBA draft. This is, I'm going to take these points from Zach Lung, who's one of our staff writers over at Dunkin' with Wolves, and kind of talk through the relationship that the Wolves have as a franchise to the number seven pick. So we're going to do that here next. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about our great friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's more than half over now. You can still track all the action at BetOnline. You can also get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, of course, also the NBA, NHL. NFL is about to kick off in a week or two here with, with training camp and all your UFC and MMA action over at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk about the immediate impact of the number seven pick in the draft. Of course, number seven is important because that's the Golden State Warriors pick that was the Timberwolves pick that was traded to Golden State along with the Wolves second rounder and Andrew Wiggins in the trade to acquire D'Angelo Russell last year. So, the Wolves have uh, an interesting history with number seven. So I'm just going to go through this article that Zach Lung wrote over at Dunking with Wolves. He did a great job. 
All the way back in 1991, the Timberwolves drafted Luke Longley, number seven. He was underwhelming in two and a half or so seasons with Minnesota. He was traded to the Bulls. We all know he won, what, three titles in Chicago with the Bulls and Michael Jordan. In number seven, uh, in 2006, the Timberwolves at number seven drafted, uh, or excuse me, at number six, the Timberwolves drafted Brandon Roy and traded him to Portland, who had drafted Randy Foy at number seven and basically swapped picks. There were some cash involved, et cetera. So instead of keeping uh, number six, Brandon Roy, the Timberwolves acquired number seven, Randy Foy. Now, we could argue who ended up having the better career. Randy Foy was a solid player for a lot longer. Brandon Roy was an all-star and fantastic. I think I think pretty clearly the Wolves would rather have had Brandon Roy for a couple of seasons, but um, neither one quite, it, they both had really interesting career arcs. Um, and, and, you know, Randy Foy disappointed as a, as a member of the Timberwolves as well. Then in 2009, David Kahn pulled off a heist, getting an extra lottery pick from the Washington Wizards for, what was it, Mike Miller? Actually, it was Randy Foy. Mike Miller and Randy Foy landed him a top six pick in the draft, which is just insane. Um, now, I mean, like, even then, everybody knew that was a crazy trade for Washington. And remember, Flip Saunders was their coach at the time, too. Probably was involved in those discussions or signed off on it, at least from from a wizard, from the Wizards side. But the Wolves got that extra pick, and it seemed like, oh, hey, you know, Ricky Rubio is falling in the draft. This is going to be great. The Wolves could get Rubio and Curry. No, the Timberwolves draft Ricky Rubio at five. They draft Johnny Flynn at six. We all know Golden State took Steph Curry at number seven. Not so coincidentally, that's also the pick. Well, I guess it is coincidentally, but that's the pick they have this year that was the Timberwolves pick. Um, and then in 2007, 2017, the Wolves had the number seven pick and they traded it to the Bulls in, in the trade back. Remember, they got back like, I think it was number 13 is when they drafted Justin Patton or 16, something like that. Um, but Laurie Markkinen was selected at seven by the Timberwolves for the Bulls on the Jimmy in the Jimmy Butler draft night trade. So that wasn't, you know, I mean, Markkinen's a good player and that wasn't... Going, I understand why the Wolves did that, right? In the moment, nobody was saying, how could they trade the number seven pick? Um, recent number seven. So so that's the Tyrrell's history related to number seven. Um, you know, you look at disappointments like Longley, the mistake of trading Roy for Foy at six and seven, the mistake of taking Ruby and Flynn over Curry, and then ultimately trading away Markinen in 2017. Historically, number seven picks, I mean, recently, the Bulls actually have three of the most recent number seven picks between 17 and 19. They've got Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White were all picked at number seven and they've all been pretty good players. Um, you know, ultimately the Bulls have disappointed the last couple of seasons, but they made a little bit of progress. Um, also Jamal Murray at number seven. That one's a significant one because the Wolves had the number five pick in that draft. And I had said at the time uh, we were doing a podcast at Dunkin' with Wolves. So I wrote about this and talked about it on the Dunkin' with Wolves podcast at the time that the Wolves should take Jamal Murray at five. My second choice was Buddy Heald. Well, they were both on the on the board at five. The Timberwolves instead took Chris Dunn. Buddy Heald goes six to Sacramento. Jamal Murray goes seven to Denver. And uh, Murray, again, was my favorite target at number five for the Wolves. That was also the year when, um, well, let's just go through the top five. Ben Simmons went one, Brandon Ingram two, Jalen Brown three. The Suns completely whiffed on Dragon Bender at four. Talk about the Suns whiffing on a pick, and then I guess we're five years away, five years removed now. But obviously, uh, had a pretty good year this year. Chris Dunn five to the Wolves, then Buddy Heald to Sacramento, or excuse me, to New Orleans. I said Sacramento. The Pelicans drafted him and then traded him, uh, I think, during his rookie year, and then Jamal Murray at seven. So the Jamal Murray thing was was a bad miss, and then he was the seventh pick uh, that year. So. There you have it, the Timberwolves' tumultuous relationship with the number seven pick. And this year, I mean, who knows? Uh, Golden State 
actually hasn't drafted that fantastically now. They've usually been drafted at the end of the first round. Um, and James Wiseman, you know, the jury's very much still out, but there's a lot of promise with James Wiseman. So we'll see what they do with number seven. But it would definitely hurt if it ended up being a significant impact player at the NBA level that the Wolves completely miss on because of uh, because of this trade. But, you know, who knows? Well, if the Wolves have a good season and D'Angelo Russell plays well, they make the playoffs, then, and, uh, then maybe it won't hurt quite as bad. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, it includes Spotify, Google, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves. That's Locked On T-Wolves, don't forget the T, and at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K, Ian, a reminder that today's show was brought to us by the live NBA draft show at Locked On. Uh, the NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales are all going to be live this year in studio covering the NBA draft. Don't miss it. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today. Watch our live coverage on July 29th. That's a week from today at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. All right, that's all we have for you today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the all-new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y.